We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear. And we would love to see you at our gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org. You know, I've heard it said that the, the church can shape culture, or the culture will shape the church. You guys heard that? The church ought to shape the culture, but often we have seen the culture shape the church. We know that's supposed to be what it is, but it's difficult at times. No, 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 it's okay. Just so that it doesn't blow away my... (laughs) But sometimes things blur. The church does shape the culture. But we have also seen the culture shape the church. And it's very evident in some of the, I think, the modern technology, architecture, buildings, programs. We we see it everywhere. Uh, Just how, how buildings, programs are set up where you see what happens in the world, in the corporate settings or in the business settings. It comes into the church. Starbucks in the lobby, the marketing, the, the banners, uh, the communication. It, it's, yeah. The, the church recognizes how people are communicating now through the social media, TikTok, all these other videos. And so they, what do they do? They adopt it. I'm not saying these are good, bad, or anything. I'm just making an observation how the culture comes into the church and sometimes there's such a blur, it's one and the same. When we see some blur of the culture and church blending in, we fail to recognize what is supposed to be the church or what is supposed to be the culture because there is less distinction. And the way we think in the culture has seeped into the church. And there we fail to recognize what church is supposed to be. This morning, I want us to look at Psalms 1. And this is a very familiar passage for many of you guys. We're going to look at what a blessed person, blessed man, woman, is going to live, how they live, the ways of the righteous. And we know that this is, you know, you guys can sit. You guys can come over here. Are you sure? (laughs) Feel free to sit down. But I want us to consider because in Psalms 1, we know that it is talking about the church, the way of the righteous. But at the same time, talking about the church, how certain things of the culture, like consumerism, has seeped into the church. And what that is doing to the church. The danger to the church. I I want us to just recognize what is going on so that we know what to do going ahead. All right. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Psalms chapter 1. I'm going to be reading from uh, the ESV version for you. But I'll be reading from Psalms 1, 1 to 3. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers, But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. 
He is like a tree planted by the stream of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. So here, here's Psalm 1 describing a person who is blessed, the one of the righteous, okay? And we, we know this blessed man, blessed woman, man of God or woman of God, he does not take the counsel. He is uh, intentional about who he takes co company with. He does not sit. He does not stand. He does not walk with the wicked, right? Sit, stand, walk. There is this companyment. He is selective not to do so with the wicked. But the contrast is that he meditates on the law of the Lord day and night. And the law of the Lord, I, I know we, we don't fulfill the law and all that stuff, but we're talking about scripture. The psalmist in talking about the law is talking about God's word, God's word, perfect word. And he meditates day and night. Where does a person stay away from the wicked to stand with the righteous or sit with the righteous or walk with the righteous and to meditate on the Lord? That's a church. Well, at least we know that's what the church is supposed to be, right? Okay. And the psalmist continues that this blessed person, man, woman, is saying he is like a tree planted by the stream of water that yields its fruit in season and the leaf does not wither. So he's like a tree rooted, planted, grounded by the stream of life. And it matters where the tree is planted. Amen? Okay. It matters where the tree is rooted because if there is no source of water, if it is not rooted, it is not going to live. Now, only time I've ever seen a living tree uprooted is in the nursery, just before a transition. But any living tree, it has to be rooted or that life is temporary. It has to take root. It has to be planted. And just like a tree needing to be planted, rooted into the ground for a life source, so does a man and woman of faith. Just as it is important to walk or sit, to stand with the righteous, it is imperative where they are rooted by the stream, by the living water, so that they can drink. Because it is where we are rooted, planted, where the source of the living water flows, can a man and woman prosper, have life, to experience the blessings, the fruitfulness that God has in store? It's where they are rooted. Okay. And this description, you know this. It's about a prosperous person. You cannot have all these things if you walk with the wicked. You cannot have the blessings of the Lord or walk in his plan if you are sitting, standing, or if you are not rooted. It's one big package. It's not either or. It's not a la carte. It's total package of what God has described what a blessed person experiences in order to live the prosperous life. Now, understand that this language of the psalmist, and especially back in the day, was a very agricultural economy. People understood this language 
of plants being planted because that is how life exists. It is a very simple analogy, illustration, and everybody understood. And so often in the Bible, multiple times throughout, there you see uh, examples of seeds or trees being planted in order to flourish, right? Uh, Psalms 92, the righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon planted in the house of the Lord. They will flourish in the courts of our God. They will still bear fruit in old age. They will stay fresh and green. You guys want to be old and stay fresh? Yeah. There you go. You got to be planted. Jeremiah 17, 8. That's a message for me. Yeah. All right. Jeremiah 17, 8. He will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its root by the stream. It does not fear when the heat comes. It, its leaves are still always green, has no worries in a year of drought, and never fails to bear fruit. And you know the parable what Jesus talked about, that there was a sower who scattered the seeds, and the seeds fell. And we know that the seed was a perfect word of God. But it didn't matter if the word was perfect or not, if the sermon was perfect or not, because it mattered where it takes root. Because some fell on rocks, on soils in between, or the hard uh, road path. It did not take root, it died. It did nothing. But to the seeds that were planted, fell on good soil, it took root, and it bore fruit. So it matters that something, in order to flourish, to prosper, it needs to take root. It needs to be planted, it needs to be rooted, so that it can flourish. That's the language here. This is some basic stuff, I, I recognize that. But I'm bringing this back to a blessed man Blessed woman, and this is us, rooted by the stream of living water, what does that look like? It looks like the church that's grounded in the Word of God. The commonality of the church is that we believe in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, in the gospel at the core, right? Discipleship. It is a community. Everything that we look at as what the church is has described in the scripture, not as a, what the culture has taught us, but as the scripture, as the earliest example. You know, I, I'm going off slightly off tangent, but bear with me here. I've been reading on social media, and there's been some debates I, I saw. And I'm not going to say who, but there are people who say, hey, there's some colonialization of the, the church is about white colonialism and all these things, and, and people were debating about all these things. There are theories about what church is. Do you understand? That has come about in the last couple hundred years about oppression and all these things. But when I look at the scripture, and this is those, the church that we're talking about, it's going back to the first century, not about colonialism or something that has been theorizing the last 400 years. I'm talking about the first century Word of God. We're trying to figure out what the Word meant so that we can know what it means. We're not taking theory and of what the culture is teaching us today because that will always be changing. It matters we go to the original scriptures. This is why I was trained to read the Greek, read the Hebrew. Did I like it? Heck no, but I do it for you. We do it because that's the original word of God to figure out what it meant so that we can figure out what it means. The culture will constantly change their minds. 
constantly have their theories and ideologies and, and say what the church is. They're wrong. The church is what the Bible said it was then as the original intention. You with me? Okay. So the church, as described from the scripture, is the body of Christ. It's a living, breathing, organic being that you and I make up. We are members of the one body with Christ being the head. We are family with one blood. That is through the Jesus Christ. We are blood relatives. Yes. Right? We are family. <laughs> we are a temple of God joined in, uh, on the foundation of the apostles and, and prophets. Uh, Ephesians 2.20 Built on the foundations of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as a chief cornerstone. In, the, in him, the whole building is joined together and rise to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. So all the descriptions, all the metaphors of what church is, it's about family, it's about members of the one body, it is about the temple of God, a dwelling place of God, okay? I, I want you to get that. Nowhere. We got the family, we got the body, we got the temple of God, of the church. And nowhere does the Bible say that the church is an organization or even a building. Something that you consume, something you purchase, is none of those things. The church is the place where the man, woman of God is to be rooted, is to be grounded, it is to be part of, to be family, to be his temple, to be his body. That's the original purpose. And we are built and we are wired for this. Uh, last week I talked about Maslow's theory of hierarchy, right? Basic human needs. Uh, Basic human needs is like food and drink. That's the first level. The second level is like safety, security, right? You build your house, you build your establishment, you feel secure. All of those things is about us being grounded, being rooted in a place for safety, of provision. We are wired to love and to be loved, to have the relationship. This is, we're wired in the very basic essence of who we are as human beings, as children of God, to be part of this community. That's the church. Okay? And we know this is true. We are made to be rooted in his body for belonging, to love, and to be loved. I don't care how um, introverted, shy you are. You still cannot be an island. You need the church. Yes. You need others. Yes. You can be a hermit. You still need others. <laughs> we say we want to be rooted. We recognize the value of being rooted. But why are some people so transient? We know that we're supposed to be rooted, whether in the church, in the body, in a community. But why have we seen more transient attitudes in the church, 
especially in the last 20 years. I'm making observations. I'm not saying, you know, I'm not, if you've seen people bounce and shop for church, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. Everybody has their stories. So I'm not saying anything positive or neg negative thing. I'm just making an observation for you to consider and to think about. You, you guys with me? So have you seen the church being transient? People shopping for churches or leave church for another church. Is it possible that a consumer culture that we know that exists in this world has infiltrated the church? And when I say consumer culture, this is really in the past 100 years. Okay? And you guys, there's a whole study on consumer culture. But consumer culture is saying that in the past 100 years, especially after the mass production, I mean, even uh, Ford T, I forgot the name of that car. I'm, I'm drawing a blank. Mass production, even of cars, that was in the early 1900s. T, Ford Mobile T, right? Okay, never mind. Irrelevant. Model T, that's, I knew it was something with T. <laughs> Ford Model T revolutionized mass production of cars to make it affordable. As mass production has become um, more the way, especially in the past 20 years in overseas um, manufacturing in China, the products that we buy are cheaper now than it was 40 years ago. You guys know that? I mean, what we used to pay for TV, technology, 40 years ago, it's far cheaper. LCD TV, we are bigger TV, upgrade. Better TV, new technology, upgrade. We don't replace things because they're broken, we replace things because we can buy. We replace, we upgrade for the better quality of life, for better enjoyment. That's consumerism. 100 years before this, people only bought the essential things. You don't go shopping to make you feel good. You buy because you needed something, so you, something you could not make. This mass production and the consumer culture has infiltrated where we are living completely different than people of 100 years back. And our attitude of this consumer mindset, we can buy what we want and replace what we want. And we've been trained that. And that thinking has infiltrated the church. We may not look for the perfect church. You guys know the joke of the perfect church, right? If you ever find the perfect church, don't go because you're going to ruin it. First of all, there is no perfect church because there's no perfect people. Because as long as empty church might be the perfect church. But, but that's not a church because a church is the you know, organic being. It's a gathering. But people might not go to another church looking for the perfect church. But... People do look for the upgrade. People do look for... I, I, I'm saying all these to, for you to consider. It's, a, it's an idea thought. We don't say the church is a product we buy and sell. But if there's something I don't like, I'll get it somewhere else. If there's a pastor or a message I don't like, I'll get it somewhere else. If there's some ideology or theology I don't like, I'll get it somewhere else. Worse, I will get someone else to come into the church to replace a person I don't like. 
We've seen that too. It's a consumer mindset. If the church was a product, service, I would say, go ahead, do that. You're allowed to do that because everything is replaceable. But nowhere in the Bible does, is the church a consumer product that your money has anything to do with. It is family. It is the temple of God. It is God's body. It is the bride of the Lord. If it's any of those things, there's no way you are allowed to replace anything. Let me ask you, when was the last time you replaced your brother just because he got on your nerves? Tempting, I'm sure, for some people. No, that was a joke, Ethan. That was a joke. <laughs> when was the last time you wanted to replace your sister because you got on her nerve, right? Tempting, but we can't because that's not what we do with family. As much as we might have wanted at times. You can't do that. Family members are irreplaceable. And you deal with the ugliness. You deal with the fights. You deal with the brokenness and the insults, right? You deal with all that. But why is it that people are like, I don't like him. He laughs weird. I don't like her because they have some weird habits. Talk too much or not talk enough. I have seen people do, leave the church for far less. Why? Consumer mindset. Everything's replaceable. Because of that consumer mindset, people don't know how to be rooted, grounded. First of all, they have a wrong perception of what church is because they think it's just a consumer product that I can shop for. I hate that analogy. People, I'm shopping for a church. They come to a new town. I'm shopping for a church. It, I know what they're saying. But that word, that phrase irks me because they are coming from a consumer mindset. And it has become so normalized that when I, when I say that, you know exactly what I'm talking because you have heard it or maybe you have said it. It's a consumer mindset. And we have made the church, something so sacred, something so precious, something, an organic relation, a bride of Christ and family of God into a product that is replaceable. We can't replace brother, sister, son, daughter because they irk us, because they're family. They're part of who we are. We love them even in their brokenness. And it's hard being family. But it's even harder being family of God. It's hard being family, but sometimes it's harder being family of God, the church. Because we think we don't have to fix that. Work with it. Because we think, as a consumer, I can replace that if I don't like it. Being rooted is hard. Because being rooted means you have to deal with the dirt. And dirt gets dirty. 
You guys know that? To be rooted, to be grounded, you got to deal with the dirt. And a lot of us don't want to deal with the dirt. You know, uh, something interesting happened a couple of years ago when, it was at 2020 when COVID happened. Okay. Whole country, maybe probably the whole world, didn't know how to handle this COVID thing. Literally overnight, the news told us, you can't meet, you can't go to church. And we felt like this was the law of the land. We had no choice. Overnight, we had to stream, set up technology to stream our services, whether we had the technology available or not. All the equipment, so if, you, if you're in the church, if you've been in this situation with your other churches before, then you know what I'm talking about. Every video webcams were sold out, the, the name brand ones. The audio systems, the equipment, the, the, uh, or even the FM transmitter so that people could have drive-through services outside, all sold out. All the technology related with whatever to gather, sold out. It didn't matter whether you had enough. The, the world, the law said you could not meet, which is interesting. They were saying, you are not vital. You are, what, what was the word that they used? You are not essential. Doctors were essential, emergency people were essential, but you are not essential. Churches were not essential. You know what they were teaching us? Consumer mi mindset. The culture was mandating to the church, you are not necessary. You could do it from the stream. It is not that important. It's very interesting. Within the few months after the closures of across the country in 2020, um, Christianity Today sent out an article. And this is what's happening. You are streaming your services. This is what's happening it, it, to your congregation. They said one-third will faithfully stream your services because they're your members. Another third will stream your service and they will stream another service of another church. Then they will say another third are not streaming at all. They're absent. They were occasionally coming. Now they're not coming at all because they're not going to stream a TV program. And sure enough, a third was faithful, the core. Another third was shopping around, bouncing. Another third was absent. Church was never really relevant for them. And when the churches reopened, including mega churches, they lost thousands. I, I know a pastor in New York, mega church, thousands, fraction of what they started with before the closures. Because a culture has taught them, you are not essential. Church is not essential. It is voluntary. Even when you're reopening, they're like, I don't need to go. It, as if the churches had to relaunch and redo everything all over again because the people thought this is not essential. It's voluntary. I don't need to. And I say all that to say, our culture do not know how to be rooted, grounded, to being part of the family of God. You guys with me so far? We don't know how to be rooted. What does rooted look like? What does being part of a family look like? It's, it's family. You miss one another if you're not... 
you know, I haven't, you know, I get to see my family usually once, once or twice a year. And I did it intentionally, for, especially for our kids because they're so far away. We want to be intentional so that they can keep relationship with my sisters, aunts, and cousins. So this is our intentional investment because that's what family is. Because how many families have you, you know, maybe you yourself know, you grow up in different cities and you have no relationship. 15 years later, a funeral happens, you're forced to see them and you're strangers. There's no relationship. But family longs for one another. Recognize even when we are apart, we are a family. We are an essential part. There's blood that joins us. There's a longing in our hearts. You deal with a crap even when you have a fight. You curse at each other, hate each other at times, but you still come back because they're family. You deal with the dirt. That's what being rooted is. And a lot of us don't know how to be rooted because the consumer mindset has infiltrated the church that the church failed to recognize what church looks like. So what's the solution? I think the first solution is discernment. To recognize, just as I've shown it to you, if that's true, if that's been my attitude, what am I supposed to do? It's a mind change. To first recognize church as what church has, Jesus has mandated, called us to be. And if we recognize that we want to be blessed, and I, I, I don't know anybody who doesn't want to be blessed. <laughs> we all say we want blessing. We often wonder, why am I not getting the blessings? We all want the blessings, but we wonder, why am I not experiencing God's blessings? Because maybe we have the mindset of the world, not of the church. And these are little stepping stones that I give to you so that you start changing your mind. Just as, and this is off tangent, there is some bad theology I adopted that has kept me down years past. Whether it's about my giftedness or money or all those things, what I had believed I lived. But what I'm saying is, there is a gospel truth of God's blessings for you available but you have to change your thinking, metanoia, change your thought, repent. That's what all that means. So we have to repent. Coming back to the original te uh, teachings. And we also have to recognize who we are. Who we are. Let me say the obvious, and we guys know this. We just celebrated, not long ago, one year birthday of this launch. We are a brand new church. We're, sometimes we feel like, oh, we feel like we've been together for a long time, but we haven't. In fact, the state of this new launch is much more fragile than we give it credit. I think because we love one another, we feel more stable and, and, and established, but we're not. In fact, we are looking for a place. We're pretty close. I'll give you a clue. Right now, we have uh, the Hilton Garden. We haven't signed yet, and, but of the choices that we have, it's a very good, viable option. It maxes out on our budget at this point, but it, it's a beautiful, beautiful facility. Room to grow, and the, the team there has been very gracious to us willing to accommodate a lot of things. 
So we're looking to make a decision quickly. But I tell you all that to say, we don't even have a building. <laughs> we're a new launch. How can we feel rooted when we don't even have a place? And maybe some of you guys had some doubts during this summer. I'm just saying out loud, maybe what some of you guys are thinking. Is this ministry going to make it? Are we going to make it? Is this going to be a viable church? I'm telling you, it starts with our hearts. If we think like a consumer, if this doesn't work out, I have a plan B. I have another the church down the street. I have another campus I can go to, right? That's a consumer mindset. What I'm saying is, if we're going to make this church work, we need to have a church mindset. Church from the scriptures mindset. Not what the church as the culture has taught us. It's essential. You're a part of the body. You're a temple of God. Host the presence of God. That others can encounter the living Jesus in you, in all of us. You have to believe that. As the scripture has defined. You, we have to be rooted together in the same place. And only then... Can we be church? Amen? Only when we come in agreement with that vision that Jesus has given us can we be church. As long as we come with a consumer mindset and temporary, transient attitude, we will never be church. Because we will be shopping just like everyone else who comes and visits us. And they won't feel secure if, you, if we ourselves feel transient. You with me? To get there, to be that, we have to humble ourselves. And that is, the consumer mindset is, I put my wants, my needs first. I want the upgrade, I, here, here's what I want, I replace based on what I want. That's the consumer. It's a self-focused mindset. Opposing view is a humility. It's the same attitude of what Christ did, this demonstrated, as uh, said in Philippians chapter 2. Let me read that for you. Verse 4, each of you should look not only to your own interest, but also to the interest of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on the cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus that every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That's the truth. And that's what the church will be established by if we remain humble, put the needs of others ahead of ourselves. Not our own preference, not of our taste, not of our... For the sake of what Christ has declared as His church. Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Blessing Place Wesley Chapel. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear. And we would love to see you at our gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org.